this fucking Google, Julie. I... Why wouldn't a search be included? <laughs> That's what makes us a great duo. Yes. One of us listens, one of us doesn't. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes scary, but always fun. <laughs> yeah, you're never sure if you should take your hands off and put them up in the air or hang on tight. Uh, read my fucking headline, Bozo the Clown. I'm already a best-selling author. Hello and welcome back to Defeat the Chaos. I'm Julie. He's Corey. And today we've got a wild one for you. So Defeat the Chaos is a show about the highs and lows of being an entrepreneur, whether you're looking for direction on how to be more be a more successful entrepreneur, or if you're just looking for someone to share in the struggle, this is the show for you. Today's show, we're going to welcome Jeff Forrester. Jeff is a coach, an author, a speaker, and a culture consultant. That sounds important. He is he also does one-on-one -on -one and group coaching. Jeff is the founder of Conquer It Consulting. He's into real estate and he runs the Mighty Warrior Council. Jeff is going to join us after the first break. Um, Jeff sounds almost as busy as we are, Corey. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he really does. All right. When he joins us, he's going to talk about his recent adventure he did called the Mid-State Mile, which I'm a little bit obsessed with this particular um it's not really a race. It's an endurance event. It's it, an it endurance challenge. What's interesting is there's actually you, the winner gets nothing other than the pride of knowing that they were the last man standing. It is a last man standing event. So he's going to talk to us a little bit about how he prepared for the race and the correlation between that race and being an entrepreneur. But before Jeff joins us, we're going to talk about grit and resilience, what it means to us. One of us may or may not really like them. And if we believe they're a factor in business and how we push through difficult situations. How you doing, Corey? I'm doing well. That was quite the introduction. It really was. Yes. And a lot of words in there. A lot of words. A lot of words. I, I want to admit something to you listeners. I want you to know this because, you know, we ended the show last week talking about me doing the, um, me being neurotic and an extrovert. And I just, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit here. And, um, even, I don't, I don't even know if you know this, Corey, um, I retook that ocean test three fucking times to try and get different results to prove your neuroticism. <laughs> I know I was like, after I was done, well, nothing screams being neurotic more than taking a test three times. Exactly. I was, I was ashamed, but also, you know, I, this has been, it's been a few, a tough few weeks for me, right? Like it just like really a lot of changes and I don't, and it's not that I don't deal well with change. I do, but it's just been a lot of things coming at me. And, you know, we see each other very rarely right now because of the restaurant and you're super busy. And that's been really, really hard for me, big change. And so I was like, I got to fix this. I got to, I got to, I need tools to get through it. So I reached back out to, you know, longtime friend and therapist that I saw for years and years and years. And I was like, I need an emergency appointment. I'm in an emotional shit storm. I need help. I need tools. I cannot keep putting my shit on Corey. He doesn't have the bandwidth for it. It doesn't feel good. I need help. 
So I did, I had an emergency session with her this week. And one of the things that I told her, I told her about the ocean test and she said, oh, you're high on everything. And I was like, wait, what? She's like, you're high on everything. I'm like, how do you, what, what? She's like, please don't tell me you didn't think you were high on everything. <laughs> I was like, Damn it. So anyway, there you have it, Corey. I am a neurotic. Yes, I am glad that you finally admit that because admitting that you have a problem the first step to fixing the problem <laughs> exactly all right well i want to say that i uh so mine um i really enjoyed um because uh i'm low in everything and the, the best part the best one the one that i highlighted in the result uh agree agreeableness dictates how you work with other people who rate low and agreeableness low and agreeableness are more analytical some might even call you emotionless or detached and i was like yep <laughs> Ding, ding, ding. Got it. Um, <laughs> you know, mine says for a neurotic, the best possible thing you can do is like hang tight with somebody who's not a neurotic because they will balance you out. And I'm like, that's why I got you, Corey. Yeah. Drives me <laughs> fucking insane sometimes, Julie. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm a work in progress, man. But yes. Well, I'm glad that you had that uh, that call with 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 heather i'm guessing yes yes with um, heather. that's good yeah um I, I was better i'm better today right i don't know <laughs> fuck you Man. just say yes yes all right <laughs> um but yeah let's get back to uh whatever we're talking about grit resilience all those things yeah. yeah um yeah i think it's uh definitely very important i mean one of the one of like the uh most common sayings i guess you could you could say one of the most common things said in restaurants is we'll figure it out um and that's what i think just small businesses in general because things like when we're talking about chaos like it's you can't there's just so many things out there that you cannot control and you just have to be capable of figuring it out um and that's uh, you know staffing shortages or uh issues with supply chain or like the, the good problems. You've got mm -hmm. too many customers, too many clients, mm -hmm. like, all right, I don't have enough time in the day now to, to get everything done. Um, and I think with small business owners, it's just like, all right, we'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Like, and you know, Jocko Willink has this thing that he says, whenever there's a problem, like, you know, if somebody like, let's say he owns a restaurant, let's say he owns Cabo and somebody, you know, one of his staff comes up and says, Hey man, like we're totally out of like avocados. His response for every problem is good, good, right? And you know, he goes on to explain that gives you inside of every problem, there's a ton of opportunity to like learn, to grow, to find something different, to continue to build skills. Didn't get that promotion, good. You know, didn't get that client, good. Didn't get the investor, all good. It's all good, right? You're just, you're learning to solve and cope and move forward and it builds grit and resilience. So a couple quick things, you know, grit, courage and resolve. It's the strength of character. That's how grit is defined. And I was gonna have us take this grit test this morning because you can measure grit. Remember, what was that cat we had on the podcast who said you could measure, was it courage? Oh, we didn't have him on. Um, oh, that's right. We shit all over him because he blew us off. He blew us off. Yeah, 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 yeah he yeah. said that he was. Uh, I'll I'll have to dig that one up, and uh, I will during the break. I'll try and find that real quick. But yeah, it was something about he could like um, increase your revenue and courage by thirty percent in ninety days or something like that. <laughs> like I don't. 
Yeah. You can't measure that. Okay. But Angela Duckworth says you can measure grit and she's got a grit test, but we just didn't get to it this morning. And then resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. You think they're equally important in business? Um, yes. You sound unsure of yourself. Well, I don't, I mean, I I don't know how you could say they're not important. It's just kind of like, I said equally. Oh, equally important. Mm -hmm. Um, listen. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think resilience is probably more important than grit. I think so too. But I also think, I also think that resilience is, you can build resilience, right? The more tough things, difficult challenges, hard things, that's what she said, that you go through, the more you're going to build resilience. Yes, but I can also see that going the other way where, you know, you're, you, like, I, I know plenty of people um, who have just been like beaten down. Like they, 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 they go the opposite way. They, they get beat up so much that they don't get stronger. They actually get weaker. And they have like the Eeyore effect. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would call it the Eeyore effect, but it's just like, um, I don't know. I've got I've got one one uh, employee who uh, just came from very toxic work environments. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And is just literally afraid to do anything because she doesn't want to get yelled at or, you know, I don't know what happened in those other places. But I'm like, that we're, we're not that we're not that place. But, you know, and, and it, it just takes time. But. Um, I mean, I guess for her and, and for anybody out there, you just need, if that's who you are, you just need to, um, I mean, it, it just work on getting yourself into a better place, yeah. like, like physically and emotionally, I guess. Yeah. Call Heather. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that, you know, but I, I do think like resilience is, it's important because it, well, I, I, I don't know. I think you have to, if you can control some of the situations that you put yourself into that are difficult, right? So this mid-state mile, for example, right? So let's talk a little bit about what it is so that our listeners know. And then Jeff can tell us about his experience running it when he, uh, when he joins us. But so the mid-state mile is a 1.1 mile loop that it's a 340 feet of eleva- elevation gain per per lap, right? So you get 20 minutes to finish, and then I'm not sure how much time you get to reset, and then you go again, or maybe it's just every 20 minutes they start over. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. It's okay, like you just have to be at the starting line at that 20 minute mark to do the, the next, next loop. And if you don't make it to that starting line, then you're out. Right, and the, you know they're like they say it's just a mile, but it is the mile from hell. So. Our friend, Chad Wright, won it in 2020 with, he was 96.8 miles. He won it again in 2021 at 122.1 miles. And the winner this year is a gentleman by the name of Justin Hamilton. He was the last runner standing this year, 117 laps, 128.7 miles, 40 hours, and 39,780 feet of gain and descent in elevation. Yeah, I'm glad you said descent in there because everybody's like, oh, it's 340 feet elevation gain. And it's like, yeah, but you have to go back down at some point. Yeah, um, you, sorry. Yeah. I should have said that on the first one. Yeah. yeah. Because it's, 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 it's a loop. It's the it's same loop. loop over and over and over and over, so and over if you're again. going up 340 feet, you have to go down 300. What goes feet. up must come down. Exactly. Yeah. So, so almost 40,000 feet of elevation. 
Yes, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, in a 40-hour period of time. Yes. So in order to, you need a ton of grit and resilience to do that. But you, the training in itself, right? So I always say 75 hard is a really great builder of resilience because there are days when it is just, it's challenging. It is really, but if you continue to put yourself into difficult situations where you've got to make it through to the other side, then you're going to build that, that muscle resilience and you're going to get better at it. And whether that, and it's going to impact everywhere. So as you know, I do not believe that we would have started SB Pace had I not finished 75 hard. Cause I don't know that I would have had the tenacity. I wouldn't have had like the, 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 the grit to get through it, but 75 hard helped me like really toughen up. But it's also this thing you have to constantly be working at it because otherwise you you can backslide into being, you know, a weak ass bitch. And I, I think that just goes for everything. It's like it's like a muscle. Like you won't get stronger if you if there isn't resistance. And like in business, if you're not challenged to improve, you're going to get weaker as a business. And I mean, I even think it goes for like the political landscape we're in right now. Like everybody gets stuck in their echo chamber and all they're hearing is what they want to hear. And they don't they don't get challenged on their thoughts or their opinions. And then, you know, for the longest time and then uh, when they do, they immediately get offended because nobody's nobody's pushed back on them at all. And it's like you need you need that you need to get that pushback. You need that feedback. You need to put yourself into difficult situations in order to become a better person, to become a stronger person, in order to overcome any of those obstacles that you're going to face in life because life isn't a cakewalk. No, it sure isn't. It sure isn't. Not if you're actively participating in it. Sure. I mean, you could just sit on your couch all day and watch Netflix, I guess. There's a lot of people who do. They take that approach. Boring. It sounds awful, right? So, okay. So if you're, would you, is there ever a point in your life where you could have saw yourself doing something like the Mid-State Mile? Um, No, but that's, running's not my thing, just in general. I'm I'm more comfortable in the water. I'm I'm pretty awkward on land. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, yeah, I've never I've never really been into like you know I played sports, uh, it, it, you know, but I also I swam competitively for twelve years, so that was that was my thing was was swimming, um, but I also I don't I'm not big into the physical challenges like that. Right. Like every once in a while, like, I mean, you know, I did that thing with Chad, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I liked the outdoors and, and challenging myself that way in terms of like, oh, can I actually spend a night out in the wood with nothing but a knife and survive? Um, things like that. But like, I, the, absolutely nothing sounds uh, enjoyable or like I w- wouldn't want to like participate. I wouldn't want to brag about doing it. It just sounds terrible across the board. Um, I have a question. A night alone in the woods with just a knife. Will a knife penetrate and kill a ghost? Because that is where you're most likely to encounter a ghost. Ghosts are not real, Julie. So <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. But, I don't know what you're thinking, but yes. they totally are. But anyway, way off topic. But yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean, again, I can't, I, I would never seek out to do a challenge like that, but I also didn't seek out, uh, a 28 mile run with like no training with Chad in the North Georgia mountains. Um, but I did that. That was fun. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm shaking my head over here. That was 
Not fun at all. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about, and this is what we're gonna we're gonna cover with Jeff when we bring him on after the break here shortly. But that that concept of using physical challenges to build resilience and grit that helps to helps you to become a better entrepreneur. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Just it's and, and again, a physical challenge doesn't have to be the mid-state mile. It could no, be, it, it could be 75 hard. It could be, I'm going to quit drinking coffee. Um, you know, anything oh, that's awful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I can't, I would probably have a seizure if I quit drinking coffee, cold, cold <laughs> Turkey right now, but mm, fact, um, yeah, the, uh, yeah, it's, it's anything that, that you do to just challenge yourself. Um, is is important it's and, the discipline right yeah discipline that's a good way to put it discipline yeah. building bringing in discipline into your into your life so you know I, I i i'm pretty sure you're aware you're you're aware of my thousand day challenge right no oh <laughs> i'm on like day 90 how do you not know this i don't know oh god this just shows you how like how how much little time we have to communicate right now i'm so uncomfortable so what, what is it real quick before we get a break um so I set out at the like end of March, towards the end of March, that I was going to, for a thousand straight days, I was going to work out for a thousand straight days. Okay. And I didn't put like a lot of like, there's not a lot of rules around it. It's 30 minutes, physical activity every day for a thousand days. And, you know, I'm on day 90 and I ref I I'm like, I'm going to hit a thousand days. It it's like, I finished on like December 22nd, 2025 or something like that. Right. So it's an insane amount of time away from that, from now, like in the future, but you know, I'm already at that point where it's so ingrained in me. Like last night, like I had work meetings until late. I had a busy day. I, my morning started like, you know, a, you know, a bullet out of a gun. It was fast. And so I literally like it was raining and it was nine o'clock last night. And I'm like, you got to go do something, something. So like I got out, you know, I, I'm like, I got to go do it. got to do it. No, no exception. Cause I didn't want to start over. I don't want to fail. I want to make it through just all the way through. So I, you know, God willing, I don't end up where I have to have some like weird fucking surgery and I can't, I can't I have to take a day off. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, Corey. I'm going to hit it. All right. Well, I believe in you. So I know you do. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be uh, with Jeff Forrester. Hey, everybody, it's Corey and Julie from Defeat the Chaos. Our show on the Voice America Business Channel is for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and winners. If you're a loser, scram. Yeah, scram losers. Defeat the Chaos hits on the struggles of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. We celebrate the wins and we dissect the losses. And unlike most boring business shows, we aren't that. We like to have fun. We have informative guests on. We talk about current events that affect small businesses. And there's plenty of gambling talk because risk and owning a small business go hand in hand. Oh, and we record live so there's no editing or production if we screw up, which we do. So join us every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel or catch the replays whenever you have time. 
Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at leadershipforuminc.com. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Welcome back to Defeat the Chaos, everybody. We have Jeff Forrester here with us to talk about mid-state, mid-state mile, grit, resiliency, whatever else we get into. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing well. We are good. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for the invite. You're welcome. So we have not debriefed at all on the mid-state mile. So I didn't even know you were doing it until I saw <laughs> our friend Noah post that he was going there to crew for you. And I was like, wait, Jeff is doing mid-state mile? Like this, so uh, like walk, t- tell us about it. Walk us through it. Like, tell us everything. Yeah. Well, I know you mentioned a little bit about what the race concept is. So it's a last man or person, last runner standing race. And it's interesting because it's just a mile. So it's 1.1 mile loop and it's got 300 feet of elevation gain and loss. And every lap starts 20 minutes on the dot. So it started exactly at eight o'clock. They have a computer program that literally just goes. And like you had said, Corey, is you have to be back in the corral when that whistle blows, otherwise you're out. So for instance, there's people that missed it by five feet because they just pushed as hard as they could and they couldn't get in. So they were out. But usually what happens is if you don't make that lap and you're having a sprint to make the time, that's going to be pretty much your last lap going back around because you're not going to make it because you were slow anyways. So that's the concept of the race. Um, And so last year I had attended and I crewed Aaron Dana and a few others and Aaron finished third. And as a crew member, it was absolutely exciting to be able to sit there and watch everything that was going on. And you got to see all the different stories unfold 
but you didn't get to see what happened out on the course. And so I was intrigued by that. So I thought, well, maybe I should just go ahead and do it. And so John and Becca, they're like, you got to do it. You got to try it. And so I was like, sure. So I had visions of training and being ready for it. And then, um, as you know, Julie and Corey, that I ventured out on this whole um, entrepreneur, self-employed journey <laughs> this year. And it's every excuse in the book. I just didn't train. So after I met Noah at 29029 in Vermont. And mm -hmm. so when I posted that I was going to do it, he just reached out and he's like, well, do you need a crew? I thought to myself, I was like, well, I'm not going to be running that long. So technically, I don't know if I need a crew, but sure, come on over. You know, you can help out. And he was extremely helpful, even though I didn't last very long. It was helpful to have somebody there to have your stuff ready. Um, but it was it was hot um, as it was last year. I mean, it's Father's Day weekend, June in Tennessee, and it was crazy hot the week before and then through i would assume prayer we had great weather over the weekend but it was still hot it was still in the 90s but it was not 97 mm -hmm. um and there was a field of i think the final count was either 87 was it 87 to 90 runners that that were out there and it was it was intense i encourage you to even if you're not going to run it you should at least go watch it so how how long did you make it so I timed out on the fifth lap. So I did five and a half miles and almost 1600 feet of elevation gain and loss. So I, wa I wasn't the first one out. Victory. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first question I asked. And I was like, just was I the first one out? And they're like, no, you were like fourth. And I was like, okay, okay good, good, perfect. <laughs> Small victory sometimes. Was it yeah. harder than you thought it was going to be? Um, a a you know, parts of it were, and then parts of it weren't. So for me being in Florida, and again, this is all excuses because there were plenty of runners who did really well that came from flat sea level environments. I've just never been great on inclines. So my heart rate shoots up really fast. So I did better on the first three laps than I thought I would and um, managed through that. And then I gained a lot of speed on the flats and then the declines. So I thought I would go really slow on the descent because it's really rocky and roots and there's some washout that you have to be mindful of. And you, know, you have gravity that takes charge and you're going downhill. And I tend to not be a wild child with my hair on fire. And so I did really well there. It was just every time I'd hit the incline, it would slow me down. So um, I did well first three laps. And then the fourth lap, I just realized I was at the very back and I was getting slower on the inclines. Like my heart rate was going above 170 every time. And that in the first incline, it's, I wouldn't consider it a hill. I consider it a peak because it goes like up. They said it's like a 25% grade incline but i think it's more than that because you can't see the top when you're walking and then you then it flattens out and then you decline on the other side and then the second hill it's almost like a it's a figure eight and the second hill is not as steep and as long and then the descent's a little more gradual so you can get more speed and you come down the last descent and then wrap around into the sun and then you can sprint straight into the corral it's a mind game though, right? Like it's, it's a, like, I can remember like watching last year, Chad 
and watching it on Instagram, right? And just being obsessed with, and he turned he turned it into such a mind game and mental challenge where you know he's hanging back in the cut like for a very large portion of the first part of the race, the laps, and and I think a lot of people were counting him out because thinking you know he's not he's not very strong, and then dude, he's like, and, and he even says it you know at one point, and I you know there's a documentary coming out about him in this race, and. Uh, that he's he just is going to crush their souls right <laughs> like, yeah yeah just crush them well what i i find is since this is a small business entrepreneur <clears throat> show it's very similar to what you have to do in that race and what you have to do every day it's not the, it's not a sprint <clears throat> you completely have to have patience and consistency mm-hmm. so most people after they saw him do it the first two years, they realized 17 to 18 minutes is how long you need to do the lap. So then you have three minutes when you get back in to at least rest and, and recover and get some food and at least get off your feet. And it was that consistency that he had. And you would see people more last year than this year, they'd try to do a fast lap and they would do a couple of fast laps, then they would do a slow lap. And you could tell <clears throat> if they were being inconsistent with their time that a, they didn't really have a good strategy. They didn't know the course and they weren't going to be in it for the long term. Um, but all those other <clears throat> Chad and then the other runners, he didn't run this year and the other runners that did really well. I mean, it was, you could just, you know, set your watch to them, even at night, like they had it down pat, you know, in some laps they'd be a little slower, some laps they'd be a little faster, but it was just that consistency, um, not only of the, of the race, but of their nutrition. Like you just, they had it well, like down pat to come in They knew what they needed to eat when they needed to eat it. And then if something was going on with their body, they knew they needed to make an adjustment. So they would either eat something different or drink something different or not eat at all and let their stomach settle. And again, I think that that's so evident is in, small business and self-employment is you have to have a plan, but not be so strict to the plan that you won't adjust if things aren't going like you had hoped. And we find, we've spoken to many small business owners out there, as I'm sure you have as well, who like they start off that they have maybe an idea, might not even have an idea. And they're like, I just want to be a business owner. And it's, like they have no plan. They, they don't, they haven't done the research. They don't have a strategy for success. And I mean, especially with, um, so my background is, is in restaurants and, you know, everybody's like, Oh, that's such a tough industry. And, you know, if you make it two years, you're successful and 50% fail within what it's like, yeah, because the only barrier to entry to restaurants is money. If you have money, you can open a restaurant. You don't, you don't need experience. You don't need certifications. You don't need shit. And, um, and that's why they fail and they give the rest of us a bad name because, you know, I have a plan, I have a strategy, I have experience, but, um, you know, the banks or whoever else still look at us as like a high risk industry just because so many people do fail. Um, and I think that, I mean, for, for whether you're running a race or you're running a business, like if you don't have that, if you haven't figured out the strategy, if you don't, if you don't have that plan for consistency and consistent growth, um, you're going to fail. And and we always love the coaches and consultants out there who are like, Oh, I'll double your revenue in 90 days. I'm like, cool. You're going to break my business in 90 days is what you're going to do. Yeah. And it was when, 
when I was out there, that was what I loved about it was the, the process of conversations that I was having in my head because you're, <laughs> you're moving all the time. And so the one, the one strategy that they said, a lot of people said is don't talk on the uphill because you're going to use all your oxygen <laughs> when you're going uphill. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was in the back most of the time. And so I didn't have anybody to talk to and actually it was pretty, pretty cool. And so from that, that perspective is, I, I thought, you know, when you look at the race, compare it to starting a business is you're excited, you're in the corral, they blow the whistle. And then it's, it's not hard yet. There's a little bit of an incline, but the adrenaline's pumping, you're excited about running the race and then boom, you hit that first hill and you get halfway up that hill and you're like, there's no way I'm going to make it to the top. My, my heart's beating out of my chest. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And then you just keep going and you're like, just, you know, keep your chest up, your chin up so you can get oxygen, but just don't stop. Just keep pushing. And if you have to stop, stop, take a breath, gather yourself and then keep going. And then you get to the top and you forget about the hill. Like I forgot about the first hill. Once I got to the top, I got my breath, my heart rate came down. Then I picked up speed and picked up momentum. And then I really picked up speed and momentum going down the hill. So that's where I was making my time. Well, then I got to the bottom and then I hit another hill. And then I had had to climb up that one. It wasn't as hard as the first one, but it was still hard. Then I got my downhill and then I sprinted in. I was like, okay, now I can take a breath. And then all of a sudden the whistle blew again and I had to go out (laughs) on another lap. And it just felt so relatable to my year this year is that there's so many ups and downs and I just have to keep aware just to push through the hill. It's necessary. You have to get through the hill to get to the flat and to gain momentum and just to keep doing that and to know that I got to do it again and then I got to do it again Mm -hmm. and then I got to do it again. And it's just like Justin, he did it for 40 hours straight. He just talk about consistency and not allowing the mundane and the monotony to get there. And one of the, the really cool things that was different this year than the previous year is there were seven runners that made it all the way through the night and pretty much until lunchtime the next day, where the, last year it was kind of every man for himself. And this year they came together all seven pushed each other through the night. They, they chatted while they were out there. They connected, they bonded. They ended up calling themselves the magnificent seven. One of them called themselves the seven dwarves. So there was a lot of different things that were different that require when things are dark. And that's what they say is the night is the hardest. They came together as a group and helped each other get through the night, even though they were all on the same mission to be the last runner standing. So it was really cool. That's really incredible because you think about like that speaks to the importance of like relating it back to business, the network and, you know, competition is, is good. You know, Corey and I talk about this a lot, whether it's on the radio show or the podcast that, you know, you don't want to drive your competition out of business. Do you want to beat them? Yes, but competition is really good because it elevates your performance, but you also can, you can learn things from your competition. You can, and there's no reason that you can't in certain ways help each other get better, right? So it doesn't have to be this, I'm going to crush you and kill you. It's, 
and we're, we can get through this together and we can both win. Right. And in the end, only one of us is going to really come out on top, but that, that competition, the, the notion that you, you want to drive your competition out of business is silly. You, you need competition. It helps you get better. Right. Right. And the other element that I thought about was the difference between Justin and myself. If you follow Justin prepared for a year for this race, like he put in the training, he put in the effort. And if I, if I compare my results to his results, then that's foolish on my part because I didn't put the same preparation in that he did. So that to me, that's the other part of being an entrepreneur and a, a business owner is you can't compare yourself to somebody who is highly successful that did all the work to prepare them for that moment. And I didn't prepare myself for that moment. So when I was done, I was like, you know what? I, if, if anybody asked me, why did I, you know, what was hard? Why didn't I, you know, do any better? I would do a disservice to all those people who prepared to come up with excuses. Cause the only thing that would come out of my mouth would be excuses that I didn't train. That was it. I didn't do what I needed to do to do better. So if I want to do better, I've got to prepare better. And that's the same thing and same lesson that I've really tried to let sink in since last weekend is how well am I preparing and how well I prepare is the, are the results that I can expect. Well, and on like the flip side, so like, I think the harsh reality for some people out there is like, let's say you did do all the preparation and only made it five laps, you know, you just have to like get the harsh reality of, well, maybe I'm just not cut out for this. Like, you know, I need to find something else that I can do that can, you know, that can challenge me or, or a different business, a different industry, um, whatever. Cause not, I mean, preparation and planning doesn't guarantee success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right. You, you, yeah. you hope it does. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we're coming close to the break here, Jeff. We, Thank you. This was fantastic. It was a, this was, this was even better than I could have hoped that it would be this conversation. So, um, I, I, I want to have you back because this was a great, yeah, thank you. great conversation. Um, for now, tell our listeners how they can find you. Um, so the easiest place to find me that you can find everything is my Instagram and it's, um, at Jeff and then the number four Esther, just, if you go there, I have links to all my other profiles and pages and all that fun stuff. So hopefully they'll, you guys will go and find me and see if I can help. All right. Sounds good. We uh, appreciate it. So everybody make sure to go out there and uh, connect with Jeff and um, it's in the, it's, it's in our show card as well. Yeah. Yeah, So do that. Cool. So we're going to take a quick break and Julie and I are going to come back, um, talk about gambling. And I guess I'll get to mansplain something. Two things today. You're going to mansplain two things to me today. Perfect. All right. (laughs) Thanks Jeff. Thank you. Hey, everybody. It's Corey and Julie from Defeat the Chaos. Our show on the Voice America Business Channel is for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and winners. If you're a loser, scram. Yeah, scram losers. Defeat the Chaos hits on the struggles of what it's like to be an entrepreneur. We celebrate the wins and we dissect the losses. And unlike most boring business shows, we aren't that. We like to have fun. We have informative guests on. We talk about current events that affect small businesses. And there's plenty of gambling talk because risk and owning a small business go hand in hand. Oh, and we record live, so there's no editing or production if we screw up, which we do. So join us every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel or catch the replays whenever you have time. 
Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at leadershipforuminc.com. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. All right. Welcome back to Defeat the Chaos. That was a really good interview with Jeff. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it as well. So awesome. You know what time it is, Corey? It is time for gambling. Woohoo! Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I'm sorry. You lost last week. I did uh, lose. You had two. You do it. You bet on two things, right? So the second one was my kickball game, which ended up getting getting um postponed due to weather yeah or just canceled i don't think we have to make that game up no. i don't i don't know how it works in a kickball league or no. so and i won yeah i won my bet yeah so i am now at eight and 12 and you are 17 and five god i'm so good yeah <laughs> all right who do you got this week all right so this week i am going to uh uh take go go to the nhl because um we are running out of good sports to gamble on and I'm going to take the Avalanche tomorrow night to win, which will close out the Stanley Cup in game five. Nice. Okay. I am going to take, I'm going with baseball. And womp, womp. I know. And I am going to take, um, well, apparently I just learned that the Cleveland Indians changed their name to the Cleveland Guardians. That's dumb, but we can talk about that another time. They're at the Minnesota Twins. You know, I'm going to take the Twins on the money line. All right, so we got the Twins on the money line and Avalanche to win tomorrow night. And just for you novices, that means that the Twins are going to win. Yes. All, All right. right. You want to you want to mansplain to me? Sure. Fantastic. So I have two topics for mansplaining today. All right. <laughs> um, the first one, the here's the topic. So 
the federal gas tax holiday, uh-huh. which um, Biden is pushing for, would pause the national gas tax for three months, 90 yeah. days, right? Yeah. Saving 18 cents a gallon. Yeah. Okay, so here's what I need help with. Please explain to me how this is a win for American citizens. So, you know, I'm not a mathlete, Corey. I'm really not. But it, let's just say that I put 80 gallons a month of gas in my car, 80 gallons of gas a month in my car. Yeah. Isn't that only going to save me $14.40? So let me do the math real quick, but that sounds about right. Um, yeah, you're going to save $14.40. How does, how, so $14.40 times three is just shy of $45. Correct. How does that fucking help me? Well, you can uh, buy one meal at like Panera a month now uh, (laughs) that you couldn't afford before. No, it doesn't help at all. It's all, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're pissing on a house fire right now. And the correct, the correct solution for an issue for, to, to solve this problem would be to increase our own production here. And, you know, the basic law, uh, you know, basic uh, uh, supply and demand, is you uh, when you increase the supply, you will drive down the price. Mm-hmm. So we have more gas out there, more fuel means that the cost of it will go down. Awesome. Okay. So here's my next topic. And in all honesty, this might be the first mansplain topic since the very first one that we talked about that I truly don't know what this is. Okay. But I know you know. Okay. We'll see. What the fuck are red flag laws and why do we need to be concerned about them? So, okay. So, and I'm red flag laws that I'm familiar with, and I'm assuming that's the only ones are when it comes to purchasing and owning firearms. That's exactly where we're going is firearms. Yeah. And so what they want to do uh, with these red flag laws is say, um, pick whatever it is, but like the, if, um, I get uh, like, let's say the police come to my house on uh, more than once um, for domestic abuse, like, okay. you know, problems. I don't necessarily get charged with anything, but I, um, uh, I, I like they've been to my house more than once because of a domestic dispute or whatever that can be used with these red flag laws to prevent me from buying a firearm because the theory is that I'm probably a violent person, which means I shouldn't own a firearm, which I would agree with violent people shouldn't own firearms, but the problem with it is that the, these uh, red flag laws are, aren't based on anything concrete. Mm. It's just a literal red flag. Like, mm, I don't know. That guy seems kind of shady. It's over subjective. There. It's subjective. And it also can be like, it, it can be abused by people to like screw over other people. So mm. like, for instance, let's say, so I own firearms, right? And let's mm-hmm. say um, an ex-girlfriend of mine, um, you know, I'm, I'm dating somebody, we have a bad breakup or something, and she just wants to screw me over. She can file complaints with the the state or the, the city or whoever's in charge of it and basically get like the, the government would then be legally allowed to come into my house and remove my firearms. I'm not charged with anything. I'm not like, like oh. absolutely nothing. Um and it's just a slippery slope because it, like when it comes to anything like it, it like 
the, the, the court is not involved in this. It's just mm -hmm. the government overreach. And they love that, as you, as you know, that I like to complain about on this. Like mm -hmm. anywhere that they can overreach, they will. They'll do it. Okay. All right. Thank you for mansplaining to me. You're welcome. All right. What do you got for a news story? Um, so I have three and I can't remember. We, I, one of these, I was uh, um, oh, the first one. Yeah, this is the one that I want to talk about right now. So this is from The Hill. And uh, the article is the media bubble. The media bubble is real. Study shows massive disconnect between journalists and the public. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so this is a Pew, uh, Pew Research Center did this one. And they interviewed 12,000 journalists. Um, and this, of those, 65% said media does a solid job of covering the most important stories of the day and reporting news accurately. Um, but of all the public, the American public, who they uh, interviewed- Wait, what percentage of the journalists? 65%. Okay. Two-thirds of journalists- Think they're doing a great think, job. Think the media is doing a great job. Okay. But only 35% of Americans think the media is doing a good job oh, in reporting- the most important stories and reporting accurately. And then beyond that, they also, uh, the journalists think they do a pretty good job of serving as a watchdog over elected leaders. Um, <laughs> but when asked, uh, like the public, again, it was right around 30%. Um, and then it's just across the board that like 43% uh, of the journalists said that they manage and correct and misinformation consistently and 25% of the public. So again, like there's a 20 to 30% gap in mm -hmm. the, the perception of how well the media is covering news. Um, and I'd, I'd say that uh, absolutely nothing about that article surprised me. Nothing, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you got? Um, so I don't, this isn't a news headline or a news story as much as a site that I stumbled upon because I've been, I've been reading the book Captivate by Vanessa Van Edwards, right? And so a while back, some dude dropped 3,000 blank postcards with his address on them around Washington, D.C., and he asked people to share their deepest secrets. And he was thinking that he might get a handful back, but he got hundreds back. And since then, he created a website and he's got sort of this movement and he receives thousands of postcards a week now where people are sharing their secrets. What kind of secrets? Dude, I spent like hours on I this. Bet you did. <laughs> um, so, um, anything, right? So it could be anything, but I want any guess on what the most common secret is that he receives? Um, uh, infidelity. Uh, no, I wish it was something like that. It's, it's that they, I pee in the shower. Oh. It's the most common secret, which I don't know. That's not I really. That's, yeah. I pee in the shower. I, I once got fired from a job for admitting I peed in the shower. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> they said <laughs> it was inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> um, then the second most common um, thing that he gets, um, postcards on is that people want to feel, um, they need a place to belong because they feel alone. They've been shunned by their family and their community. But I he had a whole section for father's day secrets. Whew, those were, there were some brutal ones in there. The most brutal one that I read was, um, nobody knows it, but when my father was sick and dying, I helped him commit suicide. I was really hoping to read at least one about murder. Not, no. I didn't get any about murder, but some of them are really funny. Some are beyond sad, but there are literally hundreds of thousands of them. Yeah. It's called postsecret.com. I'll have to check that out. All right. I want to jump into uh, one last thing before we, we break today for uh, in the show, actually. Um, 
one of the things that my biggest complaint so far, um, of, well, not my biggest, but one of one of the things I like to complain about with um, a side effect of the pandemic mm-hmm. is everything is a fucking Zoom call these days. Oh. Let's just jump on a Zoom real quick. Jump on a Zoom real quick. Because um, back in the day, uh, you and I both were accustomed to working remotely. We, we traveled for work, um, worked with teams all over the country, all over the globe. And you could do everything f- via email and conference calls, basically, mm-hmm. if you if you weren't on site. But then it just turned into Zoom. And now you're just basically a prisoner in front of your computer because <laughs> you you have to jump on a Zoom. And people, this, so this article, this is uh, from the BBC, um, it, they're talking about how um, Zoom is, not only Zoom meetings, but having uh, requiring cameras to be on during Zoom meetings is causing more problems, like than than it it's helping. So the the original like idea with everybody jumping on Zoom when it was just two weeks to you know flatten the curve was like oh for two weeks we can stay everybody can stay connected we can still see each other that's cool it's fun etc. But you know two and a half years into it it's still happening and and it's uh, apparently creating all sorts of um, like it's doing the uh, the opposite effect. So people are now like more um, self-conscious. They're trying to figure out what's going on, like in people's backgrounds, they're spending time looking at themselves. They're like, it's not like, like having the cameras on actually makes people less productive mm-hmm. during zoom calls. Um, and I would just want to go back to the day of conference calls. Cause I could just put, put my earphones in, be on my phone and I could literally be anywhere and still contribute to the conversation, but I don't know. Anyway, um, and it's just, it's putting pressure on workers. So stop with the zoom, everybody. As stop we're, we're with on, the zoom. And we're on zoom right now, but I know. Hey, did you see that Tony Saragusa died? Who's that? He used to play for the Baltimore Ravens and he was a Fox sideline reporter. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, he died yesterday. I did see one of their, uh, the Ravens linebackers died. Unexpectedly. Yeah. Died yesterday as well. Or yeah. the day before. Yeah. Yeah. So they have kind of like a double tragedy yeah going that, on over but that, there. the linebacker he was 25 25 Tony yeah. Saragusa was 55 yeah I mean still young but still young yeah, yeah crazy well uh, I, I'm glad that you brought that up at the end of the show so we could leave this on a good note <laughs> let's name some other people who have died <laughs> how about that um yeah all right well good show thanks again Julie this was uh it was fun. entertaining this wasn't entertaining and everybody out there be sure to Go check out Jeff's uh, website, connect with Jeff, um, and make sure to connect with us. So if there's something you like, something you didn't like, send us some feedback, everything that you need to know about us, including how to listen to our pod- podcast, BizQuick podcast, uh, is on our website, sbpace.com. So check that out and go Avalanche. <laughs> go Twins. All right. That's it for today, everybody. We will see you next week on Defeat the Chaos. Mm-hmm.